Welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. Once again, I am Kyle Bird, and my co-host is present as well. <laughs> I am Matt Parmley. Hello. Um, it is late. This is the latest we've recorded in a while, isn't it? Yeah, it's about, about midnight Eastern right now, just when we're starting, so... Yeah, we were in, we were supposed to start at nine. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So yeah, uh, it's been uh, <laughs> my mogwai noises. Oh yeah, that's well. That voice is uh, Mr. Kevin Dierendor for frequent. I, I feel like you're just like you, you Tom and Trevor, just like part of the show now, rather than just we should have, like, we should have an episode yeah. without you. <laughs> It's uh, it's, uh, they're yeah, they're they're all the third host, basically. Like, and people can argue over which one's the real third host. Like how, you know, there's all these people who say, you know, some prominent Beatles collaborator, and they refer to them as the fifth Beatle. But there's like six of those, (laughs) so it's yeah, it's like that. Oh man, yeah, we were supposed to start earlier. But uh, so I, I think I shared on a previous podcast that Sarah and I have been foster parents for a couple years, and our our foster daughter actually had moved out uh, right around Christmas time back to her her dad, and just a couple weeks ago we actually got a foster baby. He's legitimately a newborn. He's uh, three weeks old. So I was taking care of the baby, and also I have the baby monitor on because I have first watch tonight. And if you hear random sounds, it's probably the baby crying upstairs, and I'll have to jump up there. But that's what the noise is. I promise it's not like me farting or crying or something. But I do I do those things. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, the listeners, uh, I'm sure they've heard it before. Oh yeah, you you fart and cry all the time on here. <laughs> um, but yeah, also I'm very tired. So, <laughs> but that's because I've been sleep. I've been. I've been living on coffee or coffee. See, exactly. What the hell are you talking about, dude? I'm telling you, like, I'm I'm exhausted. I've been sleeping about four hours a night, maybe, and drinking about six cups of coffee to keep myself alert during work hours. So, but yeah, baby's baby's doing well. Family's doing well. It's all good stuff. It's just uh, the lack of sleep is 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 catching up with me now. Um. <clears throat> Well, I do not have a foster child, so I'm uh, on my usual not-so-normal uh, sleep You're good by, like, three anyway, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll, be, I'll be up with the baby and birds, like, still awake for some reason. Um, anyway, uh, we're yeah. going to talk about War of the God Monsters... Which was known as the Flying Monster up until recently. Well, that why was it called? Okay, after seeing the movie, why was this called the Flying Monster? It's a really good question. There are flying monsters, but that's not really the majority of them. <laughs> well, the the Korean title was Pichongesu, uh, which I guess. Uh, translates to undead beast 
which is maybe a little bit better if they've come back to life from being frozen, but it makes you think of like <laughs> zombies or something. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Still not not the best. It's better than flying monster, but still not the best. All right. Um, is, is flying uh, flying dragon attacks the the best title? That's also like bad. That None of the the the, <laughs> the best I like one that is one the most because it sounds cool. Yeah, War of the God Monsters is still weird, but it might be the best one. Even though it's like, uh, I guess that that's just the American title. Um, but before that, we uh, we have this Godzilla versus Kong energy drink uh, to talk about. Um, this was not available when we did our food review. Uh, for whatever reason, this came out like a month after the movie. Um, and uh, as I said before, we are not <laughs> being paid by FYE or <laughs> Legendary or anything. Uh, we stupidly ordered these our- ourselves. Um, uh, and uh, attached was a ridiculous shipping cost. Um, so yeah, we... for the low, low price of $20, I got two energy <laughs> drinks. That's... <laughs> so... um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see how this is. You know, I am an energy drink drinker. Uh, that being said, my energy drink uh, consumption is basically, like, there's, like, five that I ever drink. Like, and and I don't like, like, the plain flavors that... Like, you know, regular Rockstar, regular Monster, regular Red Bull, they all taste weird. Like, my favorite one is the Orange Rockstar, which tastes kind of like... Like, it's not carbonated, it just kind of tastes like a fruit drink. Um, So I don't like the ones that have that, like, energy drink taste to them them very much. Um, So this is the Godzilla vs. Kong Ultimate Showdown blue raspberry energy drink um i'm already a little bit alarmed um you know blue raspberry you know uh candy is okay with me um but blue raspberry in the form of a drink just doesn't sound um sound the best uh but anyway uh, this is a hundred milligrams of caffeine. Uh, one serving. Uh, one can is one serving. Okay, it's a twelve ounce can. All right, you ready to give this a shot? Well, I am, but I have I have questions for you as the uh, energy drink connoisseur here. Yes. How many energy drinks do you drink a day? Uh, I'm guaranteed to drink one a day. What is the Pretty how much. many? What's the most you've had in a day? Uh, well, when it, it depends. Like when I'm on like a long drive, like when I when when I'm because driving like really f- long. I like driving, but if I'm driving for like hours, it does tend to like I I tend to get a little sleepy. So like when I go to G Fest and stuff, I've I've known to drink like maybe like up to four <laughs> in a day. Uh, my average day usually consists of one, but then, uh, there's probably a few times a month where I'll, I'll drink two. Um, I rarely go above two within a day, though. Uh, Does your heart, like, fritz out, or, like, you start getting the shakes? 
I mean, I, f- I feel like I always, uh, I've, I like my blood. I feel like my my uh, my blood pressure, my um, uh, it, like I feel like it's always like high anyway. <laughs> Just because you know my my job is stressful. I'm always stressed out about something. So like that is true. I that. <laughs> I'm always stressed out. I'm always anxious. Um, I'm always like overly worried about something that usually I have no reason to worry about. So like, (laughs) so yeah, my, uh, my, my, my heartbeats per minute are always like really high. (laughs) Like, uh, it worked once one of one of my coworkers like attached their like Fitbit or whatever, um, uh, to me for a few minutes and like my resting heart rate was like. It, I, I don't remember. It was some absurd number, and they were like, "What's wrong with you? Are you dying?" Uh, and they're like, "And I was like, no, I'm. This is like how I always am." And they're like, "You're always like this." So I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. I don't know what's wrong with me. I yeah, live in I, a constant state of being wound up. I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. It's. It. It really be like that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Blue Raspberry, the, the ultimate showdown. All right. Should I uh, should I take a placebo or something? You, yeah, you should. You'd be the control group here. Yeah, you can <laughs> you can vica- taste this uh, vicariously through us. Okay. Mm. It smells sort of normal. Hmm. It like reminds me of a uh, a melted icy that you get at the theater a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's. I would I would say it's not super great, but there's it, there's absolutely nothing really wrong with it either. If you like blue I'm, I'm like, uh, drinks, <laughs> I'm sort of surprised at how much that I don't hate this. I was expecting to like immediately want to spit it out, but. Yeah, no, this is uh this isn't bad. It could also be that I'm so tired that my body just like please drink anything with caffeine. So Oh yeah, no, the the caffeine uh that'll probably help you get through the, <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> and the baby yeah. uh in the baby watching. You know, this isn't bad. Yeah. All right, bird. So so go all the way back to when we reviewed the the chocolates. What is the best Godzilla versus Kong? product that we have reviewed um i'm still gonna say the hot sauce oh okay um probably but this is this is up there you know this is probably a close second or a tie with the hot sauce this this isn't bad like my number one because you know i i I, in good faith (laughs) for all of these i've ordered more than one just like mm-hmm. oh if i really like this i'm gonna want to try it again this is the first one that uh i ordered more than one of that i am okay with i'm okay with that <laughs> interesting yeah i got two and I, well first of all we're stupid we spent about like probably 80 dollars each at least <laughs> versus calling like chocolates or drinks oh man the fans demanded it, and by the fans, I mean like probably Tom and Trev mostly. 
No, this is good. If if you like the, the blue Gatorade or uh, blue ices at the movies, like Matt said, uh, and yeah. and you're one of the four people that has an Fye near you, um, <laughs> yeah, this isn't this isn't or, so bad. Or you want to buy two four dollar energy drinks and then pay twelve dollars in shipping or well, yeah, you could that do that. <laughs> Fye has some wild energy drinks though, man. <laughs> I was on their website. They have like a Bob, a Bob Ross energy drink. Like, is that why they're still in business? They just like have the market cornered for weird energy drinks. Yeah, and I don't know products that nobody else carries. Yeah, I don't know. And and yeah, I, I wonder how much of those they just slap different uh, brand labels on. Like, am I drinking a, a something that was a Bob Ross drink at one point? Like, I don't know. Yeah, this is like I said. I'm su- I'm surprised at how much I actually enjoy this. Yeah, good job, right. good job, everybody. Uh, what are the god monsters? Oh wait, hold on. Do we want to talk about uh, the? <laughs> do we want to give a, a state of the the monster verse? Oh, uh, I didn't know we were doing that. The monster verse will continue because you guys bought <laughs> so many expensive energy drinks. They're seeing that money. They're like yes. All right, we got to do another one. If every fan were as diligent about buying Godzilla merchandise as me and me and Bird, the MonsterVerse would continue. That's <laughs> <laughs> um. So yes, uh, yeah, there there uh, was uh, an article um, saying that uh, you know Legendary is is happy with. Godzilla vs. Kong's success, and they're trying to talk to Adam Wingard to do another movie um, when he's available, I guess, because he's doing a bunch of crap. He's doing uh, Thundercats and Face Off. Um, but uh, the 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 one that they seem like they're in talks to do is uh, Son of Kong. Which actually jives with something that I heard back in January from a friend who was a friend of a guy who talked to who heard it from Legendary. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting that that actually like when I heard that I was like, oh, maybe the like that was also around the time they announced the the animated series. I was and I was like, oh, this must be. Like what they were talking about, so, but no. So, so it sounds like we could potentially be getting a Son of Kong and, and the the animated series. Um, which I mean, uh, the the reactions from Godzilla fans are are Very predictable. Are insane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and as we know, they don't have a licensing agreement with Toho anymore. That's that was up after the three films, and so you know, I mean, legendary. You know, I mean, they they still have access to Kong right now, and I I don't really blame them for, you know, exploiting that and trying to to continue it. So it, the 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 funny thing is though, because and this is where why I I was even reminded to talk about this news because it's not because it's what a week or two old now, and we've talked plenty about it like in our private chats and stuff, but it was when, uh, I think it was either one of you guys said, continue the monster verse. And I was just th- like, I was just thinking like that hashtag was all over like Kaiju fandom. And then when it was like, 
hey, they're continuing the MonsterVerse with Kong. Everyone was like, what? <laughs> what? How, how dare they? Um... Where's my where's my destroyer movie? You know, um, but I don't. I'm. I mean, I'm okay with it. Like, why? Why not? Like, <laughs> I mean, it it makes the most financial sense too because the the most financially successful movie of the bunch is still Skull Island. Mm-hmm. So like, it it yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's one like Kong can be profitable without Godzilla. They know it. We know it. Whether Godzilla fans want to accept that, I guess, is another story. Um, but, yeah. but uh, I mean, to me, it, it's, if they're going to do anything else, it's the only thing that makes sense. I mean, heck, I, I mean, cut, cut Kong a break. Like, he's only had one, well, aside from the crossover, like, he's only had one movie. Godzilla's had two. Like, you know, do more with them. Why not? It's still it's King Kong. He's still like one of the most popular monsters of all time. One of the most You're beloved gonna, characters. You just cost us like three of our twelve listeners by saying that they're probably all like flipping tables. Well, I mean, they need to. <laughs> they they, you know, they 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 should realize you know things aren't things aren't. It's not all about Godzilla. You know, this genre is more than Godzilla and. If Legendary want to do more stuff with Kong, I, it, as long as they, you know, have the rights to do so, I don't think that they should stop. I mean, Kevin, how do you feel about Son of Monsterverse? They, they, they. Yeah, it's a Monsterverse, not a Godzilla verse. Something to set up the new Godzilla sequel. You know, it's um, if if they if they really play ball, like making a a new Kong movie will not. Uh, prevent them from doing something with Godzilla in the future if Toho allows it. You know, it's it's just like you know the new Captain America doesn't mean that we'll not n- never see Iron Man again. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I mean, there's there's also just so much you can do with Kong because he is a gorilla. He's more like us. You know, so he 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 is a character that the audience can connect with a little bit more than Godzilla. So, you know, if you have to give one of them a son, I think that that's the one that makes sense. And you know, everyone's like, but they establish he's the last of the species, and it's like, look, the writer can just pull a baby Kong out of his ass, you know, if they want. <laughs> <laughs> people, it's like people treat this like it's real. Um, Time travel, cloning, multiverse. Uh, you know, so many, so many, you know, things you can come up with off the top of your head for how uh, a new Kong can just pop into existence. I saw one guy say, it's too soon to be doing Son of Kong already. <laughs> yeah, but he probably also wanted Varan 2022 or whatever, so. Well, I, I, does he know the original Son of Kong came out a matter of months after the first <laughs> King Kong movie? <laughs> Uh, so no, I mean, it's one of those things where if it happens, I'm, you know, I'm, especially if, hey, if it's Kong and a little Kong hanging out in the, in the, in the, the hollow earth going on crazy adventures, sign me up. Yeah, it sounds pretty fun. I'd watch it. Um, and yes, uh, speaking of Godzilla and the direction of Godzilla, um, I've been enjoying the hell out of Singular Point, um, I've watched through episode six, and 
I just wanted to put that out there. Um, I'm I, I I'm really excited for everyone to be able to see it. Although uh, I expect the fan reaction to be divisive, as it always is these days, for whatever reason. Um, you know, people are already freaking out about certain things that we <laughs> we won't really get into. But um, but no, I'm I, I I'm loving it. I know Kevin's loving it. Matt is more just like. Whatever. I'm enjoying it. It's awesome. Whatever. I'm enjoying it. I, it I, if it sticks the landing, it could probably be my favorite Godzilla thing since like GMK. It has. It does have a lot of potential, and it obviously is telling a long form story with a very specific purpose. Which I, I mean, we don't always get that kind of crap now. Like we get, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, which is like the opposite of just throwing a clip show together and letting the monsters fight without character development, whereas this is doing the opposite. So it's nice to add the, the, the best of both worlds, I guess, if you want to, from my perspective. anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good old fashioned kind of investigate monsters, understand the monsters, not just monsters show up, they fight each other, you know, but the, and the, and the characters have some charm to them as well. Like it, they're actual characters. Yeah. No, the is, characters are nice. a lot of fun. It's the most excited I've been about Godzilla in a long time. Probably since the in since the 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 years between 2014 and King of the Monsters where like you know the MonsterVerse just seemed like this en- endless world of possibilities, <laughs> you know. Uh it's the most it's the most excited I've been since then probably about Godzilla. And and I like being excited about Godzilla. Um so yeah, no, I mean uh, Godzilla and Kong. I mean, our our boys are doing okay. Um, <clears throat> is there, I don't yeah I don't know if uh, is there been any that I, that's not really a news dump, but is that is that it? <laughs> I think that's about it, right? Am I did we miss talking about anything? No. I think you're good. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why I keep the the blog around. Uh, the blog, I, I guess, a Facebook page is where I do all the news now. But uh, yeah, I just kind of go and, and scroll through and see what's uh, see what's what lately. I guess we could say uh, Daimajin's getting an arrow set. So yes, oh, yeah. with big one. Uh, with with an essay by you. Oh, wow! Cool. <laughs> Um, which I believe this is probably the first time someone has, like, paid you to utilize your, your, your nerdiness, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah I, you know. I've, I've had people say they were going to pay me before, but this Arrow is the first people to actually do it, so. Yeah, so no, I, I, uh-huh. I, I mean, I, I love those movies, um, like, they got a killer list of, of special features. The thing is just stacked, and I'm happy for you. And I'm gonna be all over that thing. Um, so yeah, no, and but and also, and, but congratulations. I mean, it's you know, it's it's been a long time for you to get yourself in one of these Blu-ray <laughs> box sets, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it was it was really exciting. Uh, I. I, you know, I think some of the information that I am covering is going to be familiar, but some of it might not be, depending on how uh, how steeped in, in pop cultural minutia you are, and 
how close you've read the uh, the essay that is in my uh, my book, but uh, there's definitely some content in there that's not in my book also. So, um, but it was it, you know I'm super grateful that Arrow gave me the opportunity to to write something, and they were super copacetic to work with. So. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a it was a pleasure. Would recommend to anybody that uh, hears from them and yeah, no, you know. it, it, it's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, we're we're happy for you. And also, I guess they have the Yokai trilogy coming out in like the fall or whatever. So I mean, it's it's uh, Arrow is they're they're doing the Lord's work. Um, yeah, Sailor Suit and Machine Gun is another one that is apparently in the in the pipework. So they're going through the Katakawa like cult movie. Uh, catalog uh, on a tear. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I I would like. Hopefully, they'll release like the Whale God or something. I I, I really like awesome. that movie. Um, <clears throat> speaking of people that are doing the Lord's work, um, our friends at SRS Cinema who have been bringing us a lot of crazy, uh, obscure and independent kaiju movies. Um, they released War of the God Monsters, which is our feature uh, attraction for, for the, the podcast today. Um, this is a 1985 South Korean uh, movie. It is directed by a gentleman named Kim jong Yong, and uh, he seems to have done... Um, uh, a good string of uh, uh, martial arts films and uh, kind of B-movies over there. Um, and so 1985, uh, this is an independent production uh, produced by Wusungsa Entertainment, uh, who I googled and found absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, outside of, ref of references to this movie, there was very little. Um, so I guess we should talk about what this is and why it is, uh, before we actually get into, like, reviewing it. And we were talking a little bit about this before the podcast, because there's, there's some, some pieces to this puzzle that are missing or not clear. Um, but I'm gonna give my best version of the history here and then i'll let kevin kind of s elaborate or see where i'm filling in the gaps um so so from what i understand um this movie well first of all this movie was considered lost in in oblivion for ages srs comes along and uh, they get in touch with whoever you know owns it, um, who is, which, which is a mystery. That is that's, so. There's a missing piece right there, um, and they're like, "Yeah, go ahead and release it." Now, here's the thing: this movie features, well, it has a ton of monster footage. However, um, about ninety nine point nine percent of that is uh, footage from some Subaraya shows, um, Ultraman, Ultraman Ace, Return of Ultraman, and Fireman. Um, Kevin, am I missing any, am I missing any that you Not know of? Not technically from Subaraya, 
but mm. uh, there's also some footage from um, the founding of Ming Dynasty. Right, which was... Yeah, and that was um, a fantasy film that... Was that was that a Hong Kong or was that Taiwan? That was, was... That was Taiwanese. Okay. But uh, but uh, Takano from Tsuburaya worked on it. Yes. Yeah, so. so so that that featured monster is made by you know Tsuburaya's guys. That so right right right, um, and uh, <clears throat> so SRS had the go ahead to to get this released, but they also because of all that Tsuburaya stuff went to Tsuburaya and were like, hey, we have all of we have this this movie that is using a ton of your guys's footage like you know, what's up with that? And it sounds like the Tsuburaya guys were like, yes, uh, we forgot about this. (laughs) Like, none of the current people at Tsuburaya knew what what this was, but apparently when they got an answer, it sounds like uh, uh, Wu Wu Tsung-sa actually did in the 80s... um, pay for the rights to use this footage. We always thought it was a thing where, because we see it all the time, especially with, um, you know, movies from the 70s and 80s, um, we thought, we always assumed it was illegal. Um, But it sounds like Tsuburaya, either to make themselves not look dumb, were like, yeah, this is legit, or they were just like, yeah, whatever, who cares? But they seem to, you know, I, I, I guess I don't have any reason to doubt them, because in 1985, uh, Subaru weren't really doing much of anything, so if some independent production came to them and was like, hey, can we buy some footage to use in our cheap-ass movie? Like, I don't see why they would say no. Um... So that's that's kind of how we got the flying monster, um, which was the title I always heard it referred to. But I guess uh, probably SRS or whoever, uh, or or whoever maybe whoever you know uh, sold the license to them um, decided War of the God Monsters made more sense, which I guess it kind of does. But so that's what it is now. The American title is War of the God Monsters. Um, Kevin, was that, that, that's probably the best history of this I can give. <laughs> is, is there anything that you would maybe add to that? Yeah, I mean, we can kind of put it into a, um, a broader cultural context for, for South Korea because, uh, South Korea was, so obviously there was a, there was an event, World War Two, and, really. Uh, Yes, yeah. Uh, J- Japan, uh, being being the the folks that they were, they they occupied Korea for for a while, and then in 1945 they got out, and uh, there was some some animosity uh, remaining from that. So until 1998, it was actually illegal to release Japanese media in South Korea. That didn't stop people. There are still a lot of bootlegs. So bootleg products came over. So there was kind of, you know, people would have sort of uh, gray market books and things like that and, and you know, later videotapes and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but they could get around this in certain situations where something was marketed as a co-production. So if a certain amount of it was Korean content, you know, like Yangari had effects by... Japanese 
people, but it was a, a Korean movie, so that was released in South Korea. Uh, the The Golden Bat was a an animated, you know, Japanese anime, but it was able to air in South Korea because uh, South Korean animators worked on the backgrounds. So that's why it was, became like one of the most successful anime in South Korea because it was one of the ones that was allowed. Um, so that was probably a big part of this production was, you know, you can't release Ultraman, but you can make a Korean movie and put Ultraman footage in it. Uh, so that was, that's, that's my understanding for, you know, this, this probably comes across as a, as a little weird and it's not exactly a, uh, a Power Rangers situation where they're trying to make it more palatable um, because it was like literally illegal for them to release it in an unaltered form. Uh, that said, there was tons and tons of Japanese inspired projects coming out in in South Korea, even though they technically weren't supposed to have access to to you know the stuff that they were ripping off. <clears throat> yeah, uh, interesting. Um, so, <laughs> is this the closest that South Korea has had to getting like an Ultraman? <laughs> I guess. Uh, pretty much. They, you know, they they had their own, you know, Super Sentai type of knockoffs. Uh, with with you know transforming heroes and, and giant robots, but not really. They haven't really done, uh, to my knowledge, you know, a, a big henshin hero, especially not during the period before Japanese media was actually allowed to be released in South yeah. Korea. So, and how uh, how long has that been since Japanese uh, stuff has been okay okayed over there? It's it's basically the the twenty first century. Yeah, um, you know. You can you can kind of look and see like exactly when there's you start seeing stuff like hey look when Ring Zero came out or Old Boy mm-hmm. or things like that where which are based on Japanese content yeah um, and that's also like when like South Korea now is like a major force in international film but like that that only goes back to what like maybe what like the late nineties early two thousands yeah yeah I mean. Them becoming a, a democracy helped, <laughs> but uh, yeah, joining jo- sort of joining the, the world stage, and then has you know since become a, a powerhouse in global uh, soft power and culture. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so so this movie is crazy. Uh, I the, we're gonna uh, see how. Um, how how <laughs> how well one can talk about a film such as this? Um, so I guess I'll kind of talk about <laughs> the plot. Um, so there is this scientist named Doctor Kim who uh, spends his days wandering aimlessly uh in the mountainside uh close to where he lives and he looks for dinosaur bones and he's constantly ranting and raving about how global warming has caused 
the ice caps to melt, and in the ice caps are dinosaurs. Um, and uh, everyone tells him he's crazy. No one listens to him. Um, and he uh, has a uh, his wife. Um, has been dead, and he's a single parent. He has a um, a young daughter, and they are due to get a new housekeeper. And at the same time, this reporter is trying to uh, learn more about him and his theories. And so uh, she disguises herself as the maid by drawing a mole on her face, that corresponds with the mole that the maid that was supposed to be sent over has, although I'm not sure why that would have made a difference, because nobody but her saw the actual maid. Anyway, (laughs) Um, for whatever reason, uh, her and the daughter form um, uh, a really special bond, and they become like best friends. Uh, all the while, this man uh, is never home um, and is constantly just yelling at people about dinosaurs. Um, eventually, the uh, <clears throat> uh, the dinosaurs from the melted ice caps uh, show up, um, and they uh, are... Uh, stock footage from Subaraya shows, so uh, I don't think we have any actual dinosaurs present. Um, but uh, we have Pestar from the original Ultraman, uh, Verocron from Ultraman Ace, uh, Sigoroth and Simons from Return of Ultraman, uh, Bemstar and Tarotulus from Return of Ultraman, um, Dorigon from Fireman, and uh, the giant dragon from um, Kevin, help me out. <laughs> Founding a Ming Dynasty. Yes, um, and uh, so that, that footage was also used in another Korean movie uh, a little prior to that. Yeah, that uh, was. Um, is it the sea monster? Is that it? Uh, what am Prince I thinking? Of dragon King. Okay. And didn't that one? And there was another movie that used that and Ming Dynasty stuff, right? Um, Where did so, the fairy and the devil footage come from? So the fairy and the devil came from founding a Ming Dynasty and the Magic Sword. Okay, yeah. One, once you get into these uh, Taiwanese movies that are like one movie uses stuff from the previous movie, which used stuff from a bunch of other movies, I get very confused. Um. Anyway, so the monsters show up, uh, we get all of that stock footage, um, uh, we also get some original monster props, which are these, like, giant legs, uh, that are very unstable and wobbly, (laughs) and they walk along the beach. Um, while this is happening, uh, uh, Dr. Kim's daughter is sick, um, he says that she has is infected because she was around dinosaur bones and being around dinosaur bones makes people sick. Um, even though he has dinosaur bones in his office and he picks them up on the beach 
and nobody else who is around dinosaur bones seems to get sick, but Dr. Kim is also crazy, uh, but he, he apparently you get sick by being near dinosaur bones in this. Um, anyway, so the monsters attack, and then um, the stock footage stops, and then the dialogue tells us the monsters went away, and then the little girl insists that her father marry uh, the fake maid, and the movie ends. So the monsters just, they go away, and it's fine. <laughs> and, the, yeah. and that's the movie, basically. <laughs> there's there's no resolution. Like, I guess he smashes some eggs, but that's about the only action that, that our heroes actually take. And how that stops the monsters and also cures her disease is kind of hand wavy <laughs> yeah so so uh, yeah I don't know she's not sick anymore but like other people could get sick and the monsters could come back global warming is still a problem well in real life and in, in this movie from 1985 um, <laughs> so uh, yeah I, nothing is fixed but it's fine I guess um and that's war of the god monsters uh and my summary is probably more linear than than the actual movie um the movie is a surreal it's it's like the ravings of a, a lunatic it is it's completely like it it is dream it it operates on some kind of logic I don't know if you want to call it dream logic, but whoever wrote this doesn't think like a normal person. So there's like, so at the beginning, there's she, the the maid stand in. She's a reporter and like her boss is some nefarious sounding guy. Like, you need to go talk to this scientist and starts laughing all menacingly. And then you never see him again. Um, and like, you have a lady that during a monster rampage forgets her baby, but instead picks up a pillow. You have some random guy that shows up on the bus and like tries to sit inappropriately close to our main reporter heroine. And there's a later implied sexual assault thing. It's very unclear why the guy like just keeps showing up to try to do things to her. And then they cut away. And there's also this, there's also a scene where, like, what was the deal when she when when she shows up in the window and like has a wig on? I can I can <laughs> I can account for both of those. So basically, it's she's been kicked out of the house at that point because he found out she's not actually a maid. She's a reporter trying to uh, make him look bad. The jig is up. But she's like, "Fine, I'm not leaving. I'm going to camp out on your uh, on your um, you know front lawn, basically." And he's just, you know, dealing with it. Yeah, he pr- she pretty much so, just moves out of the house and into the backyard. And he doesn't really seem that upset by it. Yeah, and then they, they have, like, this, um, uh, you know, emotional manipulation off, where at first she hires a guy to make it look like, um, like she's being assaulted so that 
you know, Dr. Kim will feel bad and decide like, oh, no, she can't stay in the yard. It's dangerous. She has to come live in here. And then he decides like, no, nah, if, she, if she's going to if she's going to pwn me like that, I'm going to pwn her. So he dresses up like a rapist to go attack her. And then she figures out that it was him. So she shows up in the window also in a disguise to say like, haha, I can I can scare you also. And it's just like this, you know, escalation. It's, yeah, it's a weird like. Well, it's weird because is that <laughs> she tells the well the guy okay the the guy that she pays that's the guy from the bus that was being weird yeah um, yeah but like doesn't she say like I'm gonna need to stay here a couple more nights or something yeah so yeah. like is she also like renting the tent from him uh, evidently yeah so. Uh, so was, it was he? It was what, kind of a fake out. So the, the it was a red herring when he first shows up, creepy on the bus. Uh, so that you think that she's actually being attacked as the audience, but then you find out that no, it was all it was all part of this this ploy. That I guess she met this guy on the bus and and then knows that he's local and she can rent a tent from him or something. I don't know. But he also <laughs> so wants. Part- but but why did he want her? Why did he want? Why did she want to stake an attack? Uh, stage an attack with that guy. So that Dr. Kim would think that his yard wasn't safe and that he would feel bad for <laughs> letting a, a young, vulnerable lady stay on his yard. <laughs> oh, but then, it, but, uh, right, but then Dr. Kim is also a sociopath, so he doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. know what's weird, though, is when he shows up to, like, he, he, when he shows up and attacks her to, like, try and scare her away, he actually, like, strangles her and she passes out. Like he chokes yeah, yeah. her out. It wasn't like, like it wasn't like, oh, boo, boo got you. Like he legitimately creeps up behind her and chokes her until she loses consciousness. Yeah, uh, I don't know what their what their wedded relationship is going to be like in the future. <laughs> this, this seems like it's a little problematic. And then for some reason, she know she knew that was him, and then she shows up in his window wearing a wig and he's like what and then she takes the wig off and laughs at him and he's like huh and then the the scene ends well shocker that his see-through ski mask that was only partially covering his face would give <laughs> give that away. uh you- it's it's a very bizarre sequence of events though yes well there's there's also the thing at the end where like okay so there's there's a storm that's created and like it starts blowing people first up the hill and then sucking them down the hill and at one point, she takes off her stockings and then ties them around the little girl's arms and then ties that to, like, a rock to save, to save her from the storm. It's it's bizarre. I mean, I, I think the, the, the very premise that you alluded to is kind of uh, also amusing because... Um, you know, Bird was saying that this guy goes around screaming at everybody about dinosaurs, but really, like, this magazine tells its reporter, like, hey, you gotta go find this guy and interview him so that you can debunk him. And she goes there, and he's like, no, I'm not got that guy. And she's like, yeah, you are. And then she, like, goes and then lives in his house so that she can find this research to prove that he's researching this thing that she needs to debunk. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... This movie is really just, like, it's full of WTF moments. 
Um, I, for one, love WTF moments. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of them that are, like... I No normal person would think to put in, in a movie. Like, whoever was responsible for making this film is a maniac. I... <laughs> um... The, the, there's, um, a scene where, like, all, like, we, we get our typical, you know, people running away from the monsters, and, like, they all, uh, like, go up on, on, on this mountain to get away from all the, all the chaos, and there's this couple, and they're like, uh, where's the baby? And... And the the lady's like, it's the baby's right here, and he, and then like it turns out the lady had a pillow, and the guy's like, this is a pillow. Where's the baby? <laughs> uh, we yeah. never find out where the baby is, so I'm assuming the baby is uh, dead. Um, but that is one of the, and now that this movie has like, I guess is being seen by some people. Um, like, every every review or something I see, like, on a blog or on Letterboxd or something, I'll mention that. So that's probably going to be the most famous scene from this movie. Um, Even reviews that I saw in Korean were, were talking about that, and they were talking <laughs> about how the little girl, Soya, is like a sociopath or something because she just thinks it's hilarious that they left their baby behind. Yeah, she's crazy anyway. Um, yeah. I, the, I think it's the first monster scene is a dream scene, and it's uh, that is where they use the Veracron footage from Ultraman Ace, and she's watching him, like, destroy all these buildings and kill all these people, and she's, like, standing there, like, clapping and cheering, and then, like, once the uh, the military starts to actually hurt him, she starts crying. And then she wakes up. Now, granted, it's a dream scene, but it that does seem to line up with her personality in the real world as well. She just seems to like watching misery. At least she's not making him itch. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like uh, Yongery. Um, but yeah, no, she's crazy. Um, but yeah, no, the baby scene is insane. It's this melodramatic, like, where's the baby? But it's so out of nowhere and in such a silly film that it's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, the, the little girl also torments the, the actual maid who's just trying to like do, do her, her job. job. Yeah. Yeah. The one, so the real <laughs> maid ends up coming back, um, you know, once everyone finds out that uh, the one lady was, you know, a fake, basically. Um, and she seems, like, normal. She's just, like, trying to, yeah, trying, she's just trying to do her job. She's just trying to do the right thing. And, yeah, for some reason, like, they hate her. <laughs> and and the movie, I, 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 we don't know where she is. Uh, after, like, she after she comes back and it's established that everyone hates her for no reason the movie literally never goes back to her 
Like she, she's probably she could be dead. I I don't know where well, she, she is. She they show her. She's shown one other time, very quickly climbing up the hill during like the end sequence. But I don't think you ever see her again after that. Okay, so well, she could still be dead because the the tornadoes blew yeah, people up around. and down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> which speaking yeah. of which i guess uh i guess our our female protagonist the 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 reporter i guess she dies or gets knocked unconscious Revive. or something yeah I was gonna ask and, if and, and the little girl she <laughs> she goes up to this puddle and she she puts a bunch of the water in her mouth and carries it in her mouth to the lady and like like spits it into her mouth and she comes back like is that like is that how can you do does does that why like that doesn't would that wouldn't do anything i, I thought, was wondering if that had some ritual significance or something that we're just not or it could just be this movie's insane i mean i don't, <laughs> either would be plausible yeah i think it's more just a I mean, it's possible that it has some ritual significance. I'm not, you know, super familiar with... If anyone listening knows why a South Korean (laughs) film would show someone spitting water into an unconscious person's mouth to bring them back, let us know. You know, let us know if that's a cultural thing or if this movie is just insane. Yeah, Uh, I I think that it's probably just a, a matter of... You know, the weird part is water is a is a you know like I'm I'm thinking of when when Clint Eastwood's been out in the in the desert for a long time and is all dehydrated and they give him some water and it you know brings him back or whatever but you know not exactly the same situation. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't like that. I like when I I thought she was gonna start doing like chest compressions or or some or, or or you know I thought she was gonna like maybe breathe into her mouth but she just spits water into her mouth. And then that's it. It's, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, do, I, it's one of in a movie like this, anything is possible. Do we understand the relationship dynamic between our scientist and the doctor that sends him? Because like the the housemaid is sent from the doctor to the scientist, but there's no like explanation that I'm aware of between the two as to why. But the doctor keeps like having these weird phone calls, calling the scientists and, and talking to him. You think he's like some evil guy pulling the strings, but no, he's just like a doctor that doesn't actually believe. They the seem like they're just that. like friends. And he's like, yeah. look, dude, you got to stop freaking. A, you need to stop freaking people out. And B, you, I'm sending, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get you a housekeeper because you don't spend any time with your daughter and all you do is yell at people all day. So like you need to chill out. <laughs> And <laughs> I'm sending you help, but then he, I, I was, <laughs> so that's what I I always figured it was. Yeah, I was watching. Go ahead, Kev. Yeah, and and you know, Doctor Doctor Lee dies for his uh for his arrogance, I guess. <laughs> uh, and, but you know, he he does get a little bit of a um a, a tribute where he's like, oh, you were a good friend or whatever. So. <laughs> Uh, there's that scene at the towards the beginning of the movie where he's fr- uh, the scientist is freaking out on a hill and like screaming like why am I crazy? And Landon looks at me. He's like, "Who is he talking to?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it, man." It's, Nobody. It's yeah, fine. he does that all the time. 
<laughs> then there's also the warden that like randomly shows up in the middle of the movie and he's like, I, I can't abandon my post. And then he like climbs up a tower for some reason, right in front of the monster and gets, and gets presumably. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The <laughs> he's in, he, yeah, he, he works in like, yeah, they go to, they cut to this guy this working in like, I guess the industrial part of town and everyone's like, Hey, like you need to leave. Like there's a monster. And I guess he just works at like an oil refinery and, and he, refinery, and he's like, "No, I won't leave. I need to. I need. <laughs> I need to stay at my post." And then he just, yeah. Then he leaves. I don't know if he's leaving his post or going to his post, but he leaves one place and goes to the other. He leaves where he is and goes into this tower and then just gets killed. But like, <laughs> I, I that that was a very bizarre scene because like. He's not, like, a military guy. He's not a firefighter, a policeman, or anyone that's, like, gotta protect the public. So, like, why would he insist on just staying there and dying at his, at his post? Like, so between the- <laughs> that and the, you know, bell ringing scene, I wonder if maybe they had just watched Godzilla 54 and were, you know, sort of trying to recreate iconic moments from that film. Yeah, like the the reporter in the tower that gets... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was very strange, because there's no reason a character like that would need to sacrifice his life, like, for his... Like, by staying at work. Like, that would be like any of us... That, that would literally be like any of us in our day jobs, like, being like, no, I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> I can't leave. Your 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 life is light as a feather, but your loyalty is heavy as a mountain. <laughs> yeah, no that that was that was really strange. Um, oh, my, I think my favorite li- my favorite line in the movie is like, you know, all the villagers in the mountain and like they're upset because you know the monsters have destroyed their farms, their houses, their businesses, and one guy just goes, he says something like, "It's all gone. We're fucked," <laughs> or something. I laughed out loud though. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I think he says like, "We're it's ruined." We're yeah. It's, yeah I kind of wonder if that was a, everything's if that was gone. a line or if that was a liberty. Everything's gone. <laughs> we're fucked. I mean that's a hundred percent a translation thing because it's the other languages don't really function on that that same like taboo for you know f word type of situation right so yeah you know, yeah you say that are casual or or rude but not in quite the uh you know as long as he wasn't actually saying something you know scatological which i don't i i don't think he would be uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh with this movie you never know that's true actually uh i the movie is just full of nonsense like this um and yeah it's 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 insane I, they I have was taking notes very... as, as I was going through, so you know, there's there's things like uh, when he he mentions, oh, what what if the dinosaurs come back to life like that caveman we found? And like, what? what? <laughs> like, yeah, where was the caveman? <laughs> uh, 
there's the there's the living snake that gets found that immediately turns into a rubber snake. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, the, that was when the little girl she scares. Uh, the actual housemaid. Yeah, yeah. And but they show like an actual snake under this sheet and then the maid's like, "Oh my gosh." And then the girl picks it up and she's like, "Ha ha, it's just a toy." It's like that was an actual snake. What? Like it would have been easier for the production to just use the rubber snake. So they went out of their way to get a real snake for that shot to try to convince us that it wasn't a real snake. It's very confusing. Yeah, the, 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 and then um, when uh, uh, when it, the the during the the Simons attack, um, there's a shot. Uh, there's a composite shot where in front of the monster is a woman in a white shirt, and that is a shot from the Return of Ultraman episode. Now, instead of just removing that shot, they made the actress up to wear, you know, the same white t-shirt and wear her hair in a completely different hairstyle than in the rest of the movie to match the the character in the Ultraman episode. They they so they basically dressed their actress up like the person in Return of the Return of Ultraman episode just to match that one shot instead of just not using that shot at all. So that's another case where it's like, you guys are like, for a movie that's like, it's like you guys are, it's almost like I want to tell them like, you're doing too much work. <laughs> you're trying too much. <laughs> like, why not just not use that composite shot and just, you know, do what you do with all the other monster scenes and just, you know, do cutaways to people reacting to the monsters. So it's like, yeah, you guys are almost like, putting too much effort <laughs> I, I think into- it's because they had a composite shot and they're like oh this makes it look like the people and the monsters are in the same frame for once yeah uh, yeah they can be like oh so- we can make people think we're they're watching like a real movie for a second mm-hmm. like that but yeah, yeah that's that's a lot thing. to yeah. speaking of the scene the, the that scene the Simon scene like so yeah the girls she's just hanging out on the beach or whatever and then the monster comes up and she she's like completely nonplussed by it. Like she's just she just takes pictures of it, so she has proof of the quote unquote dinosaurs um, existing that she get, comes and brings back to the professor. But like, there's that scene and the Pestar scene where like she watches Pestar eat what like fire? What is he or like oil? Like a, like attack this oil refinery and like there's this one guy who's just I don't know if he's supposed to be working there. I don't know if he's just a... I don't know. He doesn't seem like a bum, but he, like, is like, oh, my God, a monster, and, like, he's doing all these, like, goofy faces, and she's just, like, standing there watching it. Like, she has no reaction to these insane creatures that are, like, coming and and destroying cities and stuff. She just kind of... Well, she she creepily smiles at Simons while she's taking pictures of him. That was... (laughs) And with like the Polaroid camera that spits out the immediate picture right afterwards, and they do that like six times. Well, you see the the military engaging combat with these monsters, and then she goes and takes pictures to prove that they're real. <laughs> I, I feel like order of operations is mixed up here somewhere. 
Yeah. Which also, uh, speaking of which, then <laughs> uh, this goes. You know, I have a number of issues with his weird uh, blue beardish uh, study that. Uh, only has green and, and pink lights in it, but uh, among the, the decorations in there are photos of all the monsters that are in the movie. So I, mean, <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I don't. Well, I, in in whatever alternate universe this is, these are supposed to be dinosaurs. So like maybe maybe like having a picture of like Bemstar on his wall would be like one of us having like a picture of a T Rex or something. But but you well. The, you're right because it's a photograph. It's not like a drawing. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So my even my explanation that I just made up make, makes no sense. Um. And it, the the guy he's always falling into those footprints too. Like uh, at one point he seems to fall asleep in one. Yeah. I. <laughs> um. It makes me wonder, like, who was watching his child before the housekeeper and the fake housekeeper came along? Like, was she just... Because she's not that... Like, she's probably, like, six. Like, she's not that old. So, like, did he just leave (laughs) her at home all the time? Yeah, I mean, she starts off with, like, complaining about how she's lonely, and his response is, get the hell out of my study. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I think that might be. Yeah, that's one of the first scenes in the movie. It, it's is is this guy? This guy has no chill. Like he is just he's he he's basically if Tetsuro Tanba from Prophecies of Nostradamus was a neglectful father. Just screaming all the time. <laughs> yeah, just yelling at people about what's going to happen, and everyone's just like, okay, but like, instead of yelling, can you just like present ev- like real evidence? And he just keeps yelling at everybody. Well, he also apparently lies to his daughter and says that her mother went to the United States, but she's like, I know it's secret, and she's dead, and then she makes a pact with the reporter that she can't <laughs> tell her, tell him that she knows. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's... Yeah, no, he's... He's just a bad person. And I, I'm i not sure why... Anyone would... Bother... Writing about him... Because he's insane. Well, apparently the, the article was supposed to be just like... Hey, check out how bad this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. If, if the whole point of the article was to be like showing how much he sucks uh he he gives plenty uh plenty to write about that's for sure like what what is this magazine that she works for (laughs) yeah we don't really know we just know that her boss like berates her into going basically and we don't see much of her writing it (laughs) We we get one scene where she like sneaks in and like reads his notebook, but like we don't. She seems more she she seems more invested in being the housemaid than her actual reporting. Uh, her like her actual job. Well, it's, it's like some some vice things where she has to go like deep undercover for for months in order to what write like a gossip piece about this guy. Has <laughs> yeah, <theories>. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, yeah, right, so, yeah, it was, like, <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, it was, like, investigative journalism, where she's, like, uh, yeah, no, she's, like, it was, like, a, yeah, it was, like, a Hunter S. Thompson thing, <laughs> pretty much, it's, like, how he would, like, go and, like, hang out with the Hells Angels, like, yeah, she, so, she, yeah, she's a gonzo journalist, apparently, um, so the fake mole is for, I guess. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about um, the monster scenes and the lack of a. They don't have music, which is really strange, and it's almost like unsettling <laughs> to watch these all these kaiju attacks without music. It's very weird. Um, it's like it almost feels creepy in a way like they're too quiet without the music um but we also i want to talk about the sound effects um because i don't think they're using a lot of the original sound effects like uh i haven't seen fireman fireman uh the 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 Tsuburaya series but uh they have this uh triceratops like monster and for example so i don't know if the, if this is the way that this creature actually sounds but in this when he roars instead of like a dinosaur growl that you would expect it's like a monkey sound like ah, 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 like it's like a it's like a chimp there there's i mean it's granted it's from a 70s subaraya show there's no way that's how that thing actually sounds is there I couldn't help you with that. Okay, but that was weird. I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't remember any of the the monsters having like their original. E- well, yeah, and and and, and the roars and some of them are also like kind of out of sync, which is also like, um, why I think they might not be the original roars. But even like some of the stuff, like uh, when they show the giant, uh, the the dragon from. Uh, Ming Dynasty, like, a lot of that is underwater footage, and, like, you get, like, these very kind of stock underwater sounds, like, um, like, bubbly sounds, like, uh, what you would, what it, like, what it sounds like if you, like, ever watch footage of, like, a scuba diver, um, which, typically, these kinds of things don't really use that when they're doing underwater scenes um but there there's there's some other examples too but but the sound effects definitely don't seem uh <clears throat> to be what the what they were from the show and the la- like i said the lack of music is very weird uh it it really makes the scenes feel like completely different They almost feel sort of like empty, and then they they kind of rely on using the same monster roar over and over, especially peace like Pestar, Pestar, whatever that thing's called. His his cackle is just like very. Un- it's not just unsettling; it's kind of annoying in a way because he just keeps it's the same sound over and over again. Yeah, Pestar um, had a weird one where I haven't watched the Pestar episode of Ultraman in a long time. Yeah, but I feel like if that's how Pestar sounded, I would remember it. Because <laughs> that's not a that's not a sound that 
that's not really a typical kaiju sound. And Ultraman especially just kind of used, like, here's Baragon's so roar <laughs> again, <Exactly>. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the, 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 the movie did a decent job, though, trying to, to mix in the human elements with, like, people, like, running through the rubble and stuff where it could. Which, <clears throat> I, I mean, you kind of mentioned them trying too hard, but I, I think, like, they did that part mostly right. Like... It was obviously they, they were, you know, it was, it was a yeah. mismatch of stuff, but like they fit in people in the shots where they could. Um, there's that one shot too where they incorporated the the weird, very poorly used foot puppet or not foot puppet, but the foot prop. Yeah, that yeah. Like stomps on a guy in the house or whatever. Um, yeah, I, that is true. I, I've seen a good deal of the movies like this, and by by that I mean. Um, <clears throat> It's kind of a, its own micro-genre. It's called cut-and-paste filmmaking. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you saw this a lot in the 80s, um, mostly with Hong Kong and Taiwanese uh, productions, um, where there would be movies cobbled together from, geez, I mean, sometimes even up to five different movies, you know, a distributor would have this back catalog and like throw a bunch of a lot of martial arts movies. Um, they they would throw a bunch of the action scenes together and film some v- less than this. Honestly, like this this movie has a lot of original footage. Like some of these movies have like five minutes of original story peppered between just a bunch of fight scenes from you know crazy ninja movies or whatever. Uh, the most prolific cut-and-paste filmmaker is a guy named Godfrey Ho. Um, And, yeah, he would just come into possession of, you know, this catalog of martial arts movies, and he would just put a bunch of crap together and film a couple things around him, and that's your movie. And, And, I mean, a lot of those would have, like, three storylines made up of footage from a bunch of different movies and they would never they would never intersect you know it, it, godfrey ho was a madman now, kevin i you're probably familiar with godfrey ho oh yeah yeah you know, yeah uh, he, he's, he's credited often with the uh, thunder gigantic serpent i'm not sure if he was actually or if he's just you know kind of uh that's that's enough like one of his movies that uh, people tend to to lump it into it uh, yeah he, yeah so so be, we may or may not talk more about godfrey ho in another podcast because i i know we want to get to the giant serpent stuff but but yeah i i couldn't you know i i couldn't ever really find a concrete answer to his involvement in that um but yeah it, i mean getting to matt's point though in in comparison to some of the cut and paste movies i've seen like this is a masterpiece <laughs> i mean i've seen some really really awful ones where you know they're made up of a bunch of movies and none of the plots intersect and honestly if you look at the theatrical ultraman movies uh basically throughout the the show period they're mostly stock footage movies Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, like the the standout (laughs) one that's that's decent is actually the the child co-production right so you know that that gives you an idea that most of them are kind of cobbled together with from 
footage. Well, yeah, I know, like, Return of Ultraman, they released the two, the, the Seamon's Seagarath two-parter, like, as part of the Champion Festival. Did they just, was that just those two episodes, basically? Yeah. And then, and then, um... If the the monster footage that they used in in um, Flying Monster is specifically stuff that was in like Champion Festivals or something that they had high quality prints or something that they were able to use, yeah. Um, and there's also uh, uh, but yeah, like I know there's the one Akio Jisoji's Ultraman, which is basically like another clip show. Is that just is that like episodes just? glued together back to back or is that more like this where it's like they have footage and then they put the monsters like is that like a completely re-edited thing or i i haven't seen that one yeah okay Uh, i know like ultraman story is has a long sequence of taro basically watching his his brothers uh be themselves on on their their missions in order for him to do his training for an example which means he just sits there and watches previous ultraman episodes <laughs> so yeah well then there was the ultraman zafi movie too right and that that was yep, literally yep, zafi like <laughs> basically like here's a bunch of stuff <laughs> I had a VHS of that, and I seem to remember Zafi just showing up every now and then and being like, here, watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were there were several that were kind of cobbled together like that at this time period, so that, you know, kind of lent some credence to the idea that Tsuburaya was, you know, trying to make a buck and yeah, exploiting the, the zeitgeist that, you know, Return of Godzilla was around, uh, which I think was a big part of why this movie got produced in, in South Korea, even though they weren't technically supposed to be seeing uh, anything from Japan. Uh, you know, boot, bootleggers got a bootleg. So uh, I've, I've seen all sorts of like bootleg merchandise for Godzilla stuff over over there. So I think that you know probably there was interest among the the kids that were buying that because they didn't care if it was official or not. Yeah. Um so yeah, this this is really a crazy movie and um I I don't I this is it's certainly one that took us all by surprise when when we learned that it we it was coming out on Blu-ray. Um It looks gorgeous on Blu-ray also. Yeah, the transfer is pretty good. There's definitely some DNR at work, but not as much as I've seen in some of the other, some other releases. Um, It's definitely way better looking than you would expect something that this, you know, old and obscure and, you know, you wouldn't think that... You would think the best cleanup job they could do on this would would be less than <laughs> what we have. That's for sure. Well, so many of the Korean movies from the '80s and '90s that I've watched have been, you know, off of YouTube. You know, nth generation VHS rips. So this is just you know a shocking world of difference. Uh, and honestly, like some of this Ultraman footage looks better than it does on the on the Blu-rays that we got from Mill Creek. Um, 
So, yeah, War of the God Monsters, it's it's an odd duck of a movie. That that's for sure. Um So, is there uh anything else we want to say about this one? How did uh how did Landon take it, Matt? <laughs> He he said he actually said it was good, um, although like he looked at me really he he looked at me really strangely when the girl spit the the water mouth to mouth and he, we looked at each other and he's like that he's like that's strange I'm like yeah don't worry uh, about it it is strange yes uh, yeah uh, I, we have no explanation for that <laughs> but yeah he it held his attention the whole time and. Um, he, he ended up enjoying it for what it's worth. Okay, so um, uh, how many pillows mistaken for babies do we want to give this out of five? <laughs> um, this is a weird, like, uh, I, there's no yeah. sane way to rate a movie like this, so... <laughs> there's really not. I, I'm... <laughs> I'm going to go first. I'm somewhere between a two and a half and a three because I do think it has its charm. I do think they made an effort to incorporate, like I mentioned before, the human elements into the monster footage. And I can appreciate that. Plus, like, there's something appealing about just the sheer absurdity of all the crap that happens in this movie. Like, I enjoy some of the wackiness of, like, say, an asylum film. And then if you take that and you put it in something like this where everything is just so nonsensical and kind of out of sorts, it it makes it, like... I don't know that that fever dream experience. So like I'm, it's a two and a half or a three somewhere. But like I'm, I'm saying that people should check it out, especially fans of of like <clears throat> Ultraman, Tokusatsu stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll go next. Um, this is one of those things where like as a movie, like if I'm just approaching this as a movie. It probably deserves something like a one and a half, maybe or something. Now. Uh, if I'm approaching this as a, like, you know, this isn't a good movie, but it's really fun, I would give it, like, a three. Maybe even a three and a half on the scale of, like, it's a good, bad movie. Um, and then also in the realm of, like I said, the micro-genre of cut-and-paste filmmaking, if I look at it that way, compared to, like I said, I've seen a bunch of cut-and-paste movies from old Al Adamson films to Godfrey Ho stuff. Um, I mean, a bunch of Roger Corman movies that have done it. And, uh, of you know, trying to just make a new storyline out of a crap ton of f- footage from other things. In the realm of those, like, cut-and-paste kind of movies, this is actually does a decent job of that. So... As a it's a, a cut and paste movie, it's one of the better ones. So it's like, how do I reconcile? Like, it's like I have to give like I have to give this movie a bunch of different ratings, <laughs> you know. Um, so, but it's like, how do I reconcile all those things into one cohesive rating? You know, if if I'm on Letterboxd or whatever, and that's how I'm kind of approaching it here. Um, so I'm gonna kind of throw all that into a blender, and it's gonna come out as like a three out of five. Um, 
uh, and uh, it's it's just a daffy movie, um, and I'm I'm glad to have it in my collection. I mean, I would only recommend it to like a very specific set of tastes, um, you know. But I happen to have a lot of those tastes myself, so uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It made me laugh. You know, it. I was never bored. I cracked up. I laughed my ass off watching this movie, uh, it, like, all by myself. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it was a good time. Uh, Kevin, how, how, what are your parting thoughts on uh, The Flying Monster? Oh, AKA, man, I get to yeah. be the bad guy this time. <laughs> this, is, this is my heel turn. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the whole, whole cut-and-paste uh oeuvre so to speak so it's it's in my case you know i was i was enjoying the movie i think it's it's actually quite well produced for the original footage and i was kind of on board but when it cuts away to you know here's veracron for four minutes straight and i'm like well yeah but i've i've seen this already and other things that are better and and that just takes me out of it and i can't i can't deal um and it's you know same deal like i've I've made earnest attempts to watch, you know, American attempts of things that do similar, and I, I can, I can enjoy the the uh, original footage, but when it um, suddenly becomes this this recycled footage, it causes some cognitive dissonance, and I, I don't enjoy myself as much anymore, and I kind of check out. So, from that perspective, I would say, like, ideally. If you're like if you're like a, a fan filmmaker or something, and want to do your own kaiju movie, maybe like film some special effects sequences and then cut them into the live action sequences <laughs> from this movie. I think that would be a phenomenal type of project to to make something wholly original out of this. Because as it is right now, it's it's like it's missing a, a core a core chunk, and that is why it doesn't it doesn't hold up very well for me you know in addition to all of the the plot problems that we mentioned that things get brought up and then promptly jettisoned etc so um you know the movie without the monster footage uh i would say is maybe two to two and a half for me but then i'd have i just have to deduct it for you know just taking long sequences of other stuff and 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 uh, I I am not uh, not not a fan of of that you know, and I'm not I'm not picking on this for that you know I I think that you know all monsters attack would be stronger if it didn't have the you know giant condor sequence or whatever so yeah what what's your wrong. final your final rating you said uh, you said two and a half for the original stuff but you said you have to deduct from it. Yeah, so I'll I'll deduct half a point from that. So uh, okay, I'll say two. Okay, yeah, it, it is interesting though to like. I think most of the time when you go to these uh, these things where it's all footage from stuff that you've seen or or whatever, it's like yeah, the new stuff the the new story sucks, but you know it's cool seeing that old footage again, like. You know, or like, you know, we watch Power Rangers and it's like, oh, I like all the Japanese footage, but I don't like the American footage. And it's like, you're, you're, you have the opposite problem. 
<laughs> with this. Yeah. Oh, and believe me, if this was available and Ultraman wasn't, I would be pissed. So <laughs> that's if if we were in a situation where the people that owned the rights that wore the God Monsters were like going after people that were making things that were like Ultraman because it was part of their intellectual property, then we'd be in a Power Ranger situation. Um. But no, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say you're the bad guy there. Like, your your rating is the most sane. I said as a movie, <laughs> like, as a movie, yeah. it probably deserves, like, a one or a one and a half. So, you know, I, I mean, you're just thinking more like a normal human and less like someone like me whose brain has been completely warped by decades of watching garbage. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's War of the God Monsters. Um, I mean, hey, if that sounds like it's up your alley, if you if you like crazy, wild, unpredictable WTF low budget movies, I mean, uh, I would recommend getting the the, the SRS Blu-ray. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, we you know we gave you we gave you some good stuff today. Um, we gave you energy drinks. Uh, uh crazy scientists so you know it's it's 1 30 in the morning um so i think we're gonna head out and uh so uh we'll we'll catch you next time people Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.